Welcome back to BGE, everyone. And if you notice, that was not the usual music you hear when my podcast starts. The reason for that is because this past Monday, at the time of this recording, it is March 17th at 11.50 p.m. Wrestling legend, WWE Hall of Famer, Scott Hall, founder of the NWO, but known commonly as Razor Ramon, the guy who made it cool to be a bad boy. Signed and signed a lifetime contract with the Afterlife Wrestling Federation. He was one of the greats. So there were complications with a surgery he was having. He was taken he was put on and taken off life support. So this is gonna be a real sad one as Draco and I Remember fondly what Sky Hall meant to us as wrestling fans. With that being said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to plug my Fiverr or none of that good shit. Y'all already know that, but I just simply want to say thank you to Scott Hall. And good night. And rest easy. Go clash with those former Intercontinental Champions. And you will be missed beyond words. Let's get into this shit. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Stop. All right, who's here? Let's see. No, I yeah, think it's just me and you. Okay. Damn. I figured Steven would want to get in on this. I guess not. It doesn't look like it, no. Yeah, I know. Fuck it. All right, uh, all right, chicos, chicas. We are here to pay tribute to the bad guy, Reza Ramon, Scott Hall, the outsider, one of the founders of the New World Order, nineteen fifty-eight to twenty twenty-two. God damn. <clears throat> and since this was your idea, let's go ahead and you can go ahead and kick this off. Well, let's be real. This idea comes from the fact that, you know, not just because he passed, but because, you know, I was a fan growing up. Oh, um, yeah. And I was originally introduced to him, of course, as Razor Ramon. 
Um, even though I'm aware and have gone back and seen some of his shit from before he came into WWE, Razor Ramon is what a lot of us, you know, got introduced to him as. And let's face it, you know, Scott was different. And then, you know, knowing what we know now, him being part of the clique, you know, with Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash and Triple H and Sean Walton, I guess. Yeah, the curtain call. More infamous curtain call. Yeah, we ain't getting to that yet, damn it. Yeah, I know. So, my point being, you know, of Mm -hmm. the clique, you know, the greatest of them was obviously, you know, Sean, but Scott Hall was really right there behind him. Right. And for me, you know, he didn't look like a white guy when you originally saw him. So... Exactly. You know, it was nice to see some diversity in WWE at that point because that's what I was watching. I was not really at that point. I had not really seen anything of WCW because he came in so, in the early nineties. Yeah, so when I was introduced to Scott Hall, I was introduced to WCW because I didn't really watch wrestling until like ninety seven, ninety eight. I was introduced. I was introduced to the one of the very first things I saw was the NWO. Yeah, by that when, point, I had already been a fan for about six, seven years. So, you know, I saw him come in as Razor Ramon. And you I know, do remember yeah. him. I do remember him as Razor Ramon because I did have those WWE games on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo that featured uh, characters from the new generation, such as Razor Ramon. And I did have that WrestleMania game, which was on PS1. Well, my cousin had it too. And I would play that. So I was familiar with Sky Hall as Razor Ramon. Hell, I even went back and watched WrestleMania 10, the ladder match with him and Shawn Michaels, which is what he is most known for. And let's be real. You know, I know a lot of people will look at ladder matches today and think, oh, well, we've definitely come beyond with Sean and Razor. No, we have not. Sean and Razor had a match that happened to involve a ladder. Okay? Yeah. Nowadays, everyone has matches Ladder matches. They have ladder matches. They are dependent on the fucking ladder and have no other form of psychology. You know, nowadays we get dumbasses on the indies looking at Julio Rush to do shit like get power bombed off the top of a ladder and pop right the fuck back up. Stupid. I remember that WrestleMania 10 match because that was the first televised ladder match. It was not the first ladder match. It was the first one in WWE. Um... But that match was amazing, and it's one of those rare occasions where Sean was not completely carrying his opponent. Because Razor was, you know, as a big man, as good as Sean, or close enough, where he didn't have to be carried. He wasn't like Nash. His mobility wasn't limited. What he could do in the ring was never very limited. He could do whatever the fuck he needed to do. So this is one of those rare times where Sean was wrestling someone other than Brett that he wasn't having to carry in the 90s. 
in the early 90s anyway. You know, obviously there were some that could keep up a little bit better down the road, but that ladder match, and let's face it, that ladder match was built off the concept of Sean had been suspended for failing a drug test, which they, mm-hmm. I don't think they told us on air, but we know it now, and refused to give the damn belt back. And this is where some things get kind of misconstrued when some people just don't like Shawn Michaels. Sean, you know, yeah, it was kind of assholeish, but his, you know, he stood on the whole, he didn't know how he tested negative or tested positive or whatever. And it did give us a really good storyline. And then he turned around and lost the belt ultimately to Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. Now you could say, oh, well, that was one of his friends. Who the fuck cares? Who else was, was able to keep up with Sean at that point like that other than Brett, who was working a fucking main event? Wasn't nobody. And The Undertaker was off that WrestleMania. Right. He was off, I believe, for the birth of his first child, his son. So, you know, there was nobody else. Scott Hall, though, you know, was the right person. He was over. And, you know, one of the things that people kind of miss is Scott Hall was one of those that was over but was never obsessed with being the world champion. You could make an argument that there were several times where you could have said, well, put the damn belt on Scott Hall, put it on Razor or whatever. And that was from every story I've ever heard. That was never really his focus. And when you look at at him, he didn't really need it. He's one of those guys. That's a main event level star that absolutely, if he, you know, he did not need the belt. No, he and, no, and and he was he was never really a world champion in WWE, in WCW, surprisingly enough. But that was his choice. Um right. He you never know, wanted from what I've seen, he, never been off, he was offered it. Uh before he left WWE to go to WCW, apparently he was offered, you know, a chance to be champion. And he basically said I don't give a fuck about the belt. Pay me. That was his concern. He's like, you, you know, I don't give a fuck who's the champion as long as I'm getting paid for what I'm contributing. Right. And that's such a drastic departure from now where everybody from the little 90 fucking pound mascot <laughs> on up thinks that they deserve to be the WWE or the AEW or NWA or MLW or world champion and you do or fucking impact and whatever or them find whatever and you do fuck all everyone thinks everyone thinks nowadays oh I should be world champion that's what I got in the business for oh that's cute and how many t- that's cute but how many times have we said this in our in every show we do not every motherfucker is meant to be at the top not every motherfucker is meant to be world champion. Because if and in everybody... addition to that, with with Scott though, he's also Scott he was also unselfish. He he was unselfish though. He because was a look at man. Yeah. Look at the people that he put over that most of the other people in the business would not have put over. The first win on TV of the one, two, three kid, the one that everybody remembers, he pinned Razor Ramon. Clean. No outside oh, wow. interference. 
just a surprise moonsault and, and a pin in the middle of the ring. Nash would have never put him over. Nash would have never done it. I hate to say this, but Shawn Michaels would have never put him over. Oh, hell no. Triple H would have never put him over. Fuck no. Brett would not have put him over. You know, Taker, and but you know, that's Taker. Well, at that point, Taker was at the height of his monsterness. He, they wouldn't have even booked him against Waltman. <laughs> but unless it was unless it was a squash match. And you know, for the Undertaker's character, that would make sense. But Scott Hall, Razor Ramon was like, no, nah, I'll do it. Did a whole angle, you know building from that to help, you know, get Sean Waltman even more notice. And he did. And that's cool. That Sky Hall didn't give a fuck. He was doing he was doing his boy a favor. He was helping his boy out. That's that's a real he a real. He was a real one. And you know, I remember a lot of his matches from his first run in WWE. So while we obviously his best arguably was the match against Sean and the rematch. Um, you know, he had matches with other people too. So he had matches, if I'm not mistaken, he had an intercontinental title match against Nash, and that's how Nash got the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to make Nash look good because I like Nash, but realistically, he wasn't very good in the ring. Never. I like Nash on the mic. I like Nash he on the mic. Four- Hell yeah, but Nash in the ring. Fuck no. I, to be fair, I still love the Jackknife Powerbomb. Well, Best thing yeah. he ever contributed. Oh, but, yeah. you know, Nash but, himself will admit, you know, he wasn't a great in-ring guy. He had about five or six moves, including the hair flip. Yeah. Which, you know, one could say I stole from Jim Cornette, but, you know, Kevin Nash admitted it. He was like, no, you know, you got you to include the hair flip in my moves. So, but then we got, you know, we have to move on, you know, once WWE is done. And then, well, no, let's speak about the curtain call, I guess. Yeah. Um, Madison Square Garden. <sighs> now, I hate the curtain call. Yeah. Because they broke kayfabe. They broke, broke kayfabe for no fucking, it broke kayfabe for no fucking reason. And... That moment has been played up no so much more. And, and, and of course, it means so much to them. But to me as a fan, this is one of those things where, you know, Vince really should have put his foot down and said, no, this isn't going to happen. I think he did, and they did it anyway. No, he did not. He told them to go ahead. Mm. He asked them, was this what you want? And they said, yes. So that's what he gave them. The problem with that is everyone else in the company felt disrespected. From The Undertaker and Jim Cornette on down the car because they're like, dude, we still have to work here. How are we supposed to make people buy into our stories? And what we're doing here, when you just told the whole fucking world that for months, you and Kevin Nash been fighting and it didn't mean shit because y'all really friends. Yeah. So that was a low point. To me, and that's all I'm going to address on it. But then we have to look at coming into WCW. Yeah. Now, I do remember watching the Outsiders show up 
don't remember how exactly I called it, but I do remember seeing it. And this was perfect because they were smart enough to know that if they never said their fucking names, and since back then we didn't have internet like we do now, none of us knew that their contracts had ended with the WWF. Fuck you, Dave Meltzer. You might have known, but that was your fucking job to know. The rest of us who are fans did not know. And at that time, I don't think we really cared. No, but that, that was what made it interesting because we knew him as Razor Ramon and we knew Kevin Ash as Diesel. Diesel. So to us, they're coming in. Yeah. All See, of a sudden, wrestling real again. Diesel? Right. You see Razor Ramon and Diesel on WCW television? The fuck? And, I mean, let's face it, that, that's what really kick-started the Monday Night War. You got them showing up, and everyone thinks Diesel and Razor Ramon are invading WCW. WCW. Vince McMahon has sent in two of his top guys to end this company. And that might but, seem a little odd to younger fans, younger listeners that weren't watching in this era. Because nowadays, y'all don't believe shit that you see. Right. Which is probably because if someone does stumble across a really hot angle and, and does the, the complete build up to the match, the moment the match is done, after they don't beat the holy hell out of each other, sodomize each other with rusty fishing knives... They hop on Twitter and, and thank, thank each, each other. other for the good match. Right. That was unheard of. And even in this, you know, even if Scott had been wrestling on up to this point, he would never have done that. Fuck no. If he, he just spent months. Right. If he just spent months building up a grudge, he's not going to blow that all out of the water the moment it's over and eliminate any possibility of drawing more money on a rematch because the moment the match is done, he's on Twitter saying, thank you for giving me such a good match. Now, if you no. want to thank each other for that, you do that shit behind the scenes where us as fans, we don't ever see, hear about it, and don't have to give a fuck. We don't ever see it. But if you're going, but if you're going to hop on Twitter, at least keep kayfabe going. Just be like, ah, I whip this song. I whip this some bitch's ass. And have fun doing it. And I'll do it again. Keep the fucking guy. See, and that's the fucking problem with wrestling these days. Thanks to social media. Y'all niggas don't know how to keep fucking kayfabe. Some of y'all don't know how to keep fucking kayfabe going. Even in the age of social media. Use that shit to talk shit. Instead of. And like you said, y'all done got through rust. Y'all done got through sodomizing each other with rusty fucking fishing knives. Get on social media and say that shit. Hi, I just raped. I just raped this bitch with a rusty fishing knife. God damn it. Maybe not with that particular term, but you know. Yeah. At least play up, which did, and Scott Hall was very good at that, and so. You know, after we get the invasion and the weeks of them beating guys up and they didn't come out on the entrance ramp. Note to everybody that's trying to do invasion angles. No one's ever going to believe your invasion angle 
if you come in down the fucking ramp like everybody else, this means you were backstage. Dumbass. Not Scott Hall and Kevin Ash. No, no, no. They All came right. in through the audience every fucking time. Which is which is why we continue to believe, oh shit, Vince McMahon is invading WCW. He's trying to put WCW out of business. And they played that up in when they finally did talk. You know, they're beating up everybody. They're beating up the wrestlers. They're beating up the announcers, except for Bobby DeBrain Heenan, because you can't touch Bobby Heenan. So they beat up Bischoff. Yeah. And, I mean, it worked. Like, we had something that we could believe in. And then there came the, the, the moment where finally it's like, all right, look, what the fuck do you guys want? And you get the line, so this is where the big boys play, huh? I remember Nash saying that one. Yeah. And, you know, we get to build up to the match at, what was it, Bash the Beach or whatever? 96. Yep, where we're wondering who's the third guy. And all ultimately, was... ultimately, it ends up being Hogan. Yeah. But then we're off to the races. So now this is when wrestling starts really getting hot. Hey, and three weeks. We, and, and we owe that. To, to Scott Hall and Nash and Hogan. Oh, yeah. Because I don't give a fuck what Eric Bischoff says. Uh, this wasn't your idea. Fuck no. No part of this was your idea. Fuck no. And, I, and only no iteration of anyone I've ever heard describe how they did this has said that Bischoff really had this idea. Bischoff wasn't an idea guy. Oh, he was more of a, of a business guy. This was, you could tell, this this comes from people who have to have some knowledge of how wrestling works, and Hogan needed to save his damn career because he was getting booed wow. out of the building in WCW because they were Southerners. They don't like Hogan's style of wrestling. That cartoony mm-hmm. angle bullshit that he was doing for Vince McMahon doesn't sell in old Crockett territories. Nah. Scott Hall, however, had already worked in WCW previously. Yeah. Oh. So, and being that he had not only wrestled for the NWA, WCW, he'd also wrestled for the AWA. Yeah. He had a more adaptable style, you know, than somebody like Hogan, who even though he did wrestle for a time in the AWA, he was never very good. No, and Hogan's never been good. He has drawing no, no, no. power. He has star no, power. No. Yes. He's he's decent. Let's let's not shit completely on Hogan. He's not as bad as nowadays fans make him out to be because if you watch his AWA stuff and his Japan stuff and even his earlier WWF stuff before he really got hot, Hogan was actually good. And to be fair, you know, when you put him with the right opponent, even after that, even after his name was big, his matches with Savage. Warrior. Spectacular. Well, you can't make Warrior. Can't nobody make Warrior look good for real, for real. There, the first match with Warrior at WrestleMania was as good as it was because of Pat Patterson. But. WrestleMania 6. Yeah. But his matches with, you know. You got Savage. You got later on, especially in his next run in WWE, 
the match with The Rock. That was not yeah. a bad match. We cannot it shit was. on Hogan for that match. Nah, that match was actually pretty fucking solid. I am going to shit on Hogan for that match with Zyker. Uh, I will forever shit on him for his match with Zyker because he's such an asshole. But in 2002. Uh, I shit on him for the original matches, too. I'm going to fuck. Oh, I've never seen those. Oh, they were they were train wrecks, but we'll talk about those another day. We we supposed to be talking about Scott Hall. Yeah, so yeah, we we saying good night to the bad guy. You watched more WCW than me though. So, which point did you come in, and at which WCW. point, you know, it, obviously, which point, you know, like did you come in right at the start of the NWO, or did you come in after it really got going? So I came in roughly around after the NWO really started going. So basically, so basically towards late 97, the start of 1998. Because literally when I when I first turned on wrestling, I was about I was about a uh, fucking nine years old. Literally the first thing the first thing I saw when I turned on WCW was the TV title match. But I do remember the NWO. I do remember the NWO wanting to take over WCW. I do, I do remember that. I remember, and I remember every everything about the NWO from when the NWO split into two, and then when they became unified and the NWO elite B team. We're not gonna talk. We're not gonna talk about that shit. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the fuckery of the wolf pack and the black and the white becoming one. But yeah. But I do remember you know what fuck it. Scott Scott Hall did was initially part of the wolf pack when the NWO split in the two and then turned around and joined the black and white. And I I have some pretty fond memories. And he made Nash look... It was a match at Halloween Havoc 98. So he made Nash look as good as he could. And Nash ain't really horrible. He just ain't good. No, he's not horrible. Um, he's much better than a lot of the other big men like Kali, yeah. Giant Gonzalez. You know, Moss. those... Uh, Oh my God, he's light years better than Omas. But Commander you know, Z's. the point being, you know, Nash could have a fairly decent match as long as he had somebody to carry him. The matches he had that weren't as good were like matches with the Big Show when he was yeah. the Giant, because yeah. he fucked Paul White was green. He was, and Nash fucked up his back wrestling the Big Show. Yeah, I mean, Paul White was green, and you know that that powerbomb spot—the first one they did right, but then you know the next time they tried again, Big Show again, you know, a lot of weights and uh, got dropped on his neck, broke his fucking neck. So, but I guess something else we have to point out—I don't—I've never heard, despite how dangerous the Razor's Edge looks and is, 
as far as I know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Scott Hall ever in injured anybody with it. He came up with the move to be something different. And he figured Wait. out how to do it and not actually cripple motherfuckers. Wait, are you saying that Scott Hall actually invented the crucifix powerbomb? I believe so. Mm. Either he invented it or he... Or at least he saw it when it wasn't mainstreamly used, because I don't know of anybody before him that really used it on television. I really don't know anybody that used it before him. But I'd say, if anything, he was probably he was likely the safest person to use it. If I remember right, he did invent it. I could be wrong, but I feel like I remember an interview where he basically explained how he came up with it because. You know, all the big men in that time era did a powerbomb. Vader did one. Nash did one. Sid yep. did one. And, you know, it's all just a standard powerbomb. And he wanted something a little bit different to make him stand out so that he's not doing the same thing that the other big guys are doing. You know, the only person at that point. Yeah, the only person at that point that was a big guy that wasn't doing a powerbomb was the Undertaker. And that was because he had the tombstone. Right. So I, I remember, I seem to remember Scott Hall saying that that's why he came up with that move. And I, I feel like I remember him saying he practiced it, like he found a job guy and he like worked out the kinks, but he never injured anybody with it. Whereas, unfortunately, the people that have come after him that have used it. Fucked up so many people. Not necessarily, not all of them. Like, you know, on a mainstream basis, the next person I remember seeing do it was Seamus. The high and cross. now, yeah, and then now, uh, Damian Priest is doing it with Scott Hall's blessing. Yep, I noticed that. Yeah, he's doing it now. Uh, he had been doing. It. He had done it before in down in NXT, I think, and he did it when Scott Hall was down there working with him. He asked, you know, could he do like the the way you know, kind of do Scott's walk or whatever, and could he use you know the razor's edge and. If you look at Damian Priest, he kind of moves like Scott. Yeah. He has a taller, a lankier build for him to be so tall. But speaking of the Razor's Edge, speaking of the Razor's Edge, I was introduced to it as the outsider's edge. Yes, it's the, it's the same move no matter what name, no matter what name you know it as. It's still a it's a devastating finisher. And if I, I think the part of where Scott Hall does it so much better, a lot of people fuck up when they start it because instead of throwing the opponent forward, they just try to bring them down the way they normally would. Well, the problem with that is with the way you're holding them, you're bringing them down on their head. That's bad. Whereas Scott always kind of tossed them across the ring a little bit so that they're landing more on the flat of their back. And especially yeah. during this time period, since nobody else did anything remotely similar to that, that shit was cool. Oh, hell yeah. Like, and yes, I love Nash's powerbomb. I still love Nash's powerbomb. Vader's powerbomb looked especially fucking brutal because his wasn't the same kind of jackknife that Nash's was. That motherfucker just... Mm, you know, Nash's was quick and kind of pretty, but it looked effective. Vader's was, I feel like you broke that motherfucker in half. And <laughs> Sid was like, I just don't give a shit. I'm just going to throw you. 
<laughs> Not really that hard to fuck up a jackknife. Apparently, but you know, Scott's power bomb was just interesting. Like yes. even though the NWO were heels, you know, he was still cool. Oh hell. Like I wanna see oh, hell, when yeah. you were watching those matches, it was like I wanna see the Razor's Edge. I don't give a fuck who's gonna win this. I wanna see this Razor's Edge. <laughs> To be fair, I did what when I was into the NWO, I did, especially the Wolfpack and the Black and White, no matter which side Scott Hall was on, I kind of did watch for him and Sting when he later joined. But uh, but when they well when the Wolfpack initially came on TV, I was watching for Scott Hall. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Nash on the mic, like, if they're doing a longer promo. Oh, hell yeah. You know, I think that's kind of where Nash, you know, excelled a little bit. But as far as getting you into what they were initially going to say, Scott was a fucking expert at that. Let's face it. Who else prior to him could pop the crowd like that with that one opening phrase? Hey, yo. And to this day, you know, up until the point that he died, every time that he's been on TV, the moment he does that phrase, the crowd pops. And nobody oh, else does yeah. it like him. I don't need any of the younger generation to try and take that. That's not your thing. Stay in your lane, bitch. Because y'all already hey. took the too sweet thing and have polluted the fuck out of that and it's stupid now. Oh, God. Don't remind me. And I know some of y'all claim that that Y'all might have got a blessing from Nash. I think what y'all actually got was a I don't give a fuck from Nash. Because That's it really doesn't mean the same thing when you guys do it as it did when they did it. Mm-hmm. And it was the cool thing. Man, the too sweet gesture was one of the coolest things to do when we were kids. Other than the crotch shop, which always got us in trouble. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, but... <laughs> But where, uh, when I was in the third grade, most of us, my third and fourth grade, we were all watching fucking Nitro and Thunder. And we was watching DX. So we got well, in trouble yeah, I, for cross shops. Oh I, oh, I ain't start getting in trouble. Oh, I ain't start seeing motherfuckers get in trouble for DX shit until I hit the fifth grade and I switched schools. I remember it. So... But, I mean, either way, you know, even though between the two, personally speaking, I'm slightly more of the original DX fan. I'm less of a yeah. fan after Sean was gone and when they brought in Road Dog, and then it got stupid. <laughs> to me. Um, I, I don't give a fuck what Road Dog and, and, and Billy what's Gunn. his face. Yeah, I don't give Billy a fuck Gunn. what they say. I mean, I understand y'all got over and that's great, but that doesn't mean that your version of DX was actually better than Sean's because no it yeah wasn't. that's yeah the four the four man in China DX was the DX I was introduced to when I eventually started watching WWE. See I can't I was there at the beginning. So but that being well, said like even if you were diehard like as I was because WWF was easier for me to catch you knew who the NWO was. You knew the merchandise. Yeah. You knew the phrases. 
like you were still going to be more likely to be interested in the NWO shit, even if you didn't give a fuck about what else is on that shelf. Oh, hell yeah. And I suppose, you know, we have to mention, you know, to, in all fairness, that this time period that we're speaking of is where Scott Hall's addiction problem really started to spiral. Ooh, buddy. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody holding this man accountable. This man's demons. This man and had they demons. Even worked it into an angle with him and Nash. He was not actually drunk in the ring for the shit, but he had been drunk so much. I mean, he knew how to act drunk. Shit, and most of his int- most of his entrances, he was smoking a cigarette and acting drunk. Yeah, but when you now work this into an angle, and this is the kind of a problem, like, yes, you can use real issues to draw money. Vince McMahon has done it in the past. The territory promoters have definitely done it before. You know, it's not, and it wasn't a new thing to the Bischoff regime. It wasn't new to Kevin Sullivan and Bischoff and all of them, no. However, this is one of those times where perhaps they should have thought twice before they decided to bring Scott's real issues, which, you know, on the camera, which at the time, you know, we're kids. Why, yes, I had seen drunk people before. And yes, I knew what they were getting at. You know, at this point, we were still at the age of debating whether wrestling was real or work or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And... You know, them trying to play it up like this is more real than the rest of the shit on the show. Well, the problem with that is, is what makes this more real? Now, as an adult, I'm just like, that was in poor taste. Instead of getting Scott Hall help, you know, sending him to rehab, which is what Vince would have done by this point, you chose to put it on TV. TV. For the whole world to see. For the whole world. Man, y'all show... Y'all chose to exploit this man. Oh. Oh, shit. You let people join, I say. Oh, shit. Um, Boy, should I leave? Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I was not trying to do that. You had to turn that option off, but and there. Sorry. Anyway, but to the point, you know, this was kind of a rough period, you know, where where they did that angle. And if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Nash or I'm sorry, Hall leave for a while? Hall did leave for a while. Yeah, he was gone for yeah up until uh, Stark A ninety eight. Okay. And then they brought him back, you know, to do the Goldberg screw job thing, which all right, fine. I mean it was stupid, but it is what it is. It's done now. But doesn't he leave again after that? At some point? And like not long after that, because he was gone for a while before they did the whole different forms of NWO thing. Because didn't they do that in nine, late ninety nine or two thousand? Two thousand. 2000, so, yeah, but uh, at that point, but at that point, Mo, but I do remember Scott Hall sticking around for Super Brawl, 
which was the night Rey Mysterio lost originally lost his mask. Okay, but after that, I feel like he after was gone that, most of '99. At that point, I could be I could be wrong, but I feel like I, he was gone most of that point. I think so, but at that point, I was switching back and forth between WCW and WWE, so I honestly could not tell. I honestly could not tell you, but I did. Shit. Yeah, but Hall was. I remember Hall being active in two thousand, but not yeah. as much. And when WCW ultimately died, I don't. I don't. He wasn't on the final show at all. He wasn't. Um, I think he had been gone for a while again at that point. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that probably had to do with his demons, but the next time that we see him is it's when... in 2002. Yep, when they bring the NWO, the original three, yep. into WWE for no That's fucking true. reason. According to Vince, it was, I'm going to inject the World Wrestling Federation. With a lethal dose of poison, I'm going to kill my company. Basically, Vince was heated that Ric Flair was 50% owner in kayfabe. So, I was talking Vince about non kayfabe. It was stupid. Oh, yeah. Well, non kayfabe, it was stupid, but I'm just saying the K. I'm talking about the angle. And here are the, the ultimate, I mean, so then, you know, that return leads to a WrestleMania match for Scott Hall and against Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was and a damn good looking match. Back, looking back, I was going to say, this was a damn good match because Scott Hall didn't have bad matches. Ah. You know, no matter how fucked up he was, to my knowledge, he was never fucked up in a match, ever. He did not pull a fucking Jeff Hardy on us. He got fucked up after the matches. Yeah. But, you know, that WrestleMania match was actually really, really good. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I've watched it at least... I think I've watched it at least 20 times. To be fair, WrestleMania 18 is one of my favorite WrestleManias to begin with. I mean, it was a pretty good one. It was pretty well stacked. I mean, you opened with The Undertaker and Ric Flair. Then you got a- Hall and Austin. Then Rock and Hogan. Man, oh, and then they made the Triple H and Jericho. Oh, I thought The Rock and Hogan... I no, thought The Rock they and Hogan made the Oh, no. okay. Yeah, Triple H the- and, and Jericho for the, the Undisputed title was the main event. It just yeah. got overshadowed by Rock and Hogan, but there was no reason in anyone's mind that Rock and Hogan should have gone on last prior to that match because it wasn't a title match. The title's supposed to go on last, and that well, they hadn't had enough time to build that feud to make it bigger than the title. Right. So the actual last match of the night was Triple H and Jericho. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. But unfortunately, it's just that I remember. It's just everyone remembers the Rock and Hogan Hogan because it was so damn. It was a pivotal moment. It was you know even though Rock was making face, 
Yeah, and Rock and Rock was babyface. Hogan was heel, and the crowd forced Hogan back babyface. You know, it was one of the rare occasions where, you know, and that generation were pros, so they could do things like, and this is Hogan that led that match, by the way, so when you shit on Hogan, we need to remember, the Hogan and Rock match, Hogan led that match. Because Rock got lost when the crowd turned on him. Yeah. And they started cheering for Hogan. So Hogan took control of that and led that. It has to be said that their generation was a little bit better at that. Hogan and somebody like Scott were better at calling things in the ring like that. Oh, yeah. But things take a downside after that one because I don't think Hall even made it to the next pay-per-view. I know he made it a couple of... Huh? I was going to say plane ride from hell, but he did make it a couple of episodes on Raw. And I remember a rematch between him and Austin being booked somewhere. If it was Raw or SmackDown, one or the other. But he did not make it to whatever the following, the backlash. He did not make it to backlash. Yeah, he was already fired by He was fired by backlash because wasn't he on the plane ride from hell, though, So, Yes, yep, that was he the was, plane. He was. He was so fucking stoned out of his mind on whatever he was on that he couldn't even walk out on his own. It was uh, shit. Just incredible. H- that helped him out. No, it was an H-bomb. I think uh, Mr. Perfect slipped him one. No, I mean, as far as who actually got him off the damn plane because he couldn't walk on his own. Yeah. It was just incredible, I think, that helped him out. But mm-hmm. JR was, you know, at that point, they didn't have much choice but to fire him. And, I mean, we got to hit some more bad times here because it didn't exactly get any better because after WWE, he does come to TNA a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, he, he had uh, at least two different me. attempts at, at coming into TNA and both times... His addiction Abyss. got in the way. Uh-huh. Abysmal failure. It, it, it was sad, honestly, because it's like we, this is where we as fans really started to notice there was a problem, I think, with Hall. If, you know, the angle before was one thing, but, you know, he was able to, as far as we could tell, we thought he was a little clean after that, right? Right. The TNA run, the end of the WWE run, and especially the TNA runs, were where we finally got to see there's something not right here. Oh. Which, you know, sucks to realize. Um, One of our childhood heroes has a real problem. You know, he's no-showing events, or when he's there, something is just off. He's not in shape like he was. I noticed that. Um, he seemed to get winded a little bit more easily in the TNA runs. Yeah. Which, I mean, hell, he was fucked up all the time. So, while he may not have been inebriated while he was on camera, you can still tell there was a noticeable difference. Yeah, that them, yeah, them drugs was getting a hold of him. 
So after the last TNA run, which I want to say was the match where he was supposed to team with Nash or whatever, or no, was he supposed to go get something with Samoa Joe? Samoa Joe was involved in it. I remember that much. And I remember there was a promo because there became an issue between Nash and Joe over whatever the fuck Samoa Joe said about Scott Hall and his promo. And I think it was Joe bringing up the problems, the no showing the, the addiction problems and all that. And I don't think Nash took very well to it. But after this is when I guess DDP at some point steps in to try to help Paul and, you know, get him back on track and introduce him to yoga and all that. So we get to turn to some positive shit here. Right. And you know, after that, I don't think I really, like, I knew he was working with DDP. Because I, I looked into DDP yoga myself. I did it for a little while. I semi-like it, but it's hard for me to keep up with. But we saw a change, you know, in, in Hall at that point, now that he was involved with DDP, where he was clean. He was able to make sense. And ultimately, that gets him into the the Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. And I shared the clip of that the other day because it was shared by Mick Foley because those the ending of that speech Bad was so you know the, the ending of that speech was just kind of moving for all of us and it was a highlight because it's like you know now he's clean he's getting his spot in the Hall of Fame and he looks Good for his age. Yeah. Was that the speech? Uh, bad times don't last, but bad guys do. That was the last line of it. Yeah, he kind of left yeah. out some shit, but yeah. I couldn't remember the I couldn't remember the entire speech, but that but that line. I do remember that last line. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it was the perfect way to end that speech, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was. You know, it was. Um, the start of some good things now, and then the next time that we do get to see him after that, you know, he's able to move around again. Unfortunately, it was at that WrestleMania with the match with Triple H and Sting, but you know, uh, when the NWO comes out, Scott Hall takes a bigger bump than anybody else except for Triple H and Sting in the whole little kerfluffle. He takes a back body drop from one of the fucking DX people. I don't give a shit. And he took a good one, like, and it was on the floor. Like, it, it wasn't in the ring. Like, he took that whole big back body drop because he teased the razor's edge and he got back dropped out of it. Oh. But... He didn't look any worse for wear. He looked good. Like, he was moving. He moved around better than Hogan and Nash did. Clearly. Because at Which, that point, I mean, they, yes. both, they both fucked up. Given. I mean, yeah, granted, you know, they always he always had moved better than them. But, you know, at this point where everybody's old, beat down, you know, battling shit, Scott he Hall looks really bit. good. He looked, the best. looked a little bit better if they had helped Sting get a fucking win, but whatever. My thing is, why? 
my question for that match was, why did we need DX in the NWO? We didn't. Exactly. They wanted a moment. That, that's all that was. That was Vince wanting a moment and wanting to once again shit on WCW. And just like, yeah, we did it, asshole. They went out of business, yes, but they still whooped your ass for 83 weeks and they get the fuck over it. It's been 20 years. Shit. Let it go. Let it but, go. We know you won. Like, you know, no, it, there was no point. And, I, you know, I did see some stuff afterwards where, you know, the NWO were like, okay, well, you know, when they found out the finish, they're like, well, why the fuck are we here? If y'all just going to beat Sting anyway, why not just have DX do the running and, and not have the NWO? It Which, was for nothing. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think it was Scott that basically said, you know, Sting was too damn nice for his own good, to be honest. Yeah. You know, because none of them would have done that job. They'd all be like, no, fuck you. If I'm coming in after all this time, I'm getting the win. Fuck you. But, you know, after that, you know, Scott Hall would come down and he would help at the Performance Center. So he works with some of the big guys who don't know how to fucking work like big guys or are just trying to learn. So he worked with Damien Priest, like I mentioned earlier, who, you know, mm -hmm. credits him a lot because they do have some similarities there. Which it, and it makes the most sense out of everybody I've seen for somebody like Damien Priest to take over the Razor's Edge and you know, do a little bit of the razor walk in his entrance. Who else would look right doing it? And he looks pretty damn cool doing it, too. Exactly. And, you know, from what I hear, you know, Nat is, Scott Hall was just down there just, you know, when he would come in, he wasn't there consistently, but when he would come in to give advice, like, that's how he would do. He would work with guys. He was good at spotting things that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing or you know, very nicely pointing out that they might be a little bit boring <laughs> or that they needed something to make them stand out from the pack. So I think, you know, every and, and everybody that I hear mention, Scott, you don't really hear people talk particularly bad about him. You got a few. But most people are much nicer when it comes to Scott. Most people couldn't stand Sean, either of the Seans, or they can't stand Kevin. No. Or they think Triple H is a pussy. But most people like Scott Hall. You know, I saw, what? you know, everybody did it. All the wrestlers did some form of tribute to him. So even Bret Hart, you know, was very nice and respectful in his tribute to Scott. You know, remembering days where they were more friendly. He posted a picture of Scott Hall with one with his son when his son was little. Brett's son, I mean, you know, so yeah. like, you know, he commented on the fact that there were better days in the 90s where, you know, they were able to hang out and be friendly. Because Brett, you know, even when there was the click versus everybody else, you know, most people weren't likely to get into it with Scott. They were more likely to get into it with Sean. Sean was a dick. True. I mean, and to be fair, Scott had some dick moments because I think it was the Dudleys that he looked at and said that he couldn't wait to kick out of their finish. <laughs> couldn't wait to kick out 3D. I think it was a joke, but I don't think that Bubba Ray took it as a joke. He, 
I want to say he at some point where they were both in in the WWE at the same time. So it's been sometime two thousand two. I guess he walked up to Bubba Ray and said, "Cool finish. I can't wait to kick out of it." Seems like a joke okay. though. I, I think I think it was just that Bubba Ray didn't take it as a joke, right? Because I mean, I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever, he ever wrestled the Dudley Boys. But funny remark. No. That is that is funny. Now Bubba Ran busted off a radio can get the fuck out can get the fuck off my Spotify. Well to further add on to our highlights and paying homage to the bad guy, I guess we should, you know, do we have a favorite Scott Hall Razor Ramon match? Scott Hall. And Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 18. I don't give For a, me, I don't give a. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that's a good one, and I get that one. But for me, I gotta go with the ladder match. I like the ladder match. I like the ladder match, but <sighs> let's see. I mean, I had some. There were some good Scott Hall matches in WCW. Hell yeah, no doubt. No fucking doubt about it. I mean, go. Had, had a good one with Sting uh, for the world title. Oh, yeah. yeah. He made Goldberg. He tried to make Goldberg look good. I mean, and, you know, I can't ignore the matches with the one, two, three kid. Um, X Pop, Sean Waltman, yeah. whatever. Six Pop, whatever you want to call him. I ain't calling him six pack. That was fucking stupid. Like at that point, nigga, just use your name. But um, yeah, I, I think those were a couple of my favorites that I can remember right off the top of my head. Um, I think for me, when I because when I watched WCW originally, you know, it was here or there, and. I just want to see the fucking Razor's Ditch. Like, I, I didn't really pay as much attention to who he was beating if they weren't a really big name. Right. I will say the one, the match, like you point out, the match that he had with Nash was actually really good. The ending was fucking stupid. Because there wasn't an actual ending. It was like Nash just kind of walked off. Nobody got pinned. Nash for you. I don't know who the fuck booked that shit. I don't know who booked that ending, but it was shit. Well, it the wasn't shit stain because. Well, it wasn't shit stain because shit stain didn't appear until like a year later. Yeah, no, it, it was not shit stain. Shit stain didn't come in until ninety nine. So, yeah, no. And that match was earlier ninety eight. Hollow, no, that was Halloween Havoc ninety eight. I think. Whatever the fuck, I know it was ninety eight. Yeah, but for me, I think the ladder match and the rematch to the ladder match kind of topped the list for me. Oh, because again, that, that was a Joe. that was a wrestling match that happened to have a ladder. Right, and everything they did was made sense in a wrestling way. Whereas now it's just like, how many dives can we take off of the fucking ladder, or can I jump off the rope onto the ladder and then hit a cutter? Or, or whatever dumbass dumb fucking shit flippy move. 
Whatever dumbass flippy fucking bullshit, whatever, man. Or how many swanton bombs can I do? And, and there must be tables in every ladder match. And God, the, when Sean and Razor did that shit, it was a ladder match and it only had the ladders. They did not yeah. go get no fucking tables. I don't remember. I don't think there were any chairs involved. I think it was just the fucking ladder. Leave them TLC matches. Leave them first three TLC matches alone. No, 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 no. I'm talking about everything else that is now billed as a ladder match has to have chairs and tables and all of this dumb shit in there. And I'm like, this is why none of the other ladder matches actually managed to top the original. They never Sean will. They never and will. Scott, Sean and Scott went out there and had a wrestling match where a ladder was involved. All you other motherfuckers have to involve a bunch of shit to hide the fact that nothing you do makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. They like a wrestling match where you had to climb a ladder, like you said. That's what Sean and Scott went out and had. And everything, like when they incorporated the ladder, they incorporated it in wrestling moves. It like Sean didn't do a bunch of dives off of the ladder itself. No, she, he did shit like he grabbed a ladder and you know put it in front of him and fell forward into a splash and shit like that. Yeah, that was dope. like he's holding the ladder. Like he's holding it. He's not, he's not, he didn't have to do too much. Like when he climbed the ladder, yes, they got knocked off or whatever, but they they selected how many times they would actually get up on the ladder too. They weren't right. on the ladder every fucking two minutes. Exactly. Now, I know it will never come close, but I would have to say the second best ladder match after that one would be the Rock and Triple H at SummerSlam 98. Cause yeah. to, well, it wasn't got it wasn't got off. It ain't, it wasn't like these ladder matches we see today. There was wrestling. There was wrestling that happened to have a ladder, and of course there was a chair. Mark Henry in China ringside. Yes, I know there was the fuck finish that allowed Triple H to ultimately win the Intercontinental Title, but those. Two lat, but those two ladder matches stand out to me as far yeah, as think, having a wrestling match with a ladder involved. At, in addition to that, for me, there's a story that made sense to get to the ladder match. Nowadays, y'all book fucking ladder matches just because I need a gimmick match on the card. So the there last no ladder match, looking at you, Tony Khan, that you did, it didn't need to okay. be a ladder match. You did nothing to hype up to a ladder match. And Vince McMahon is guilty of this shit, too. You will throw up, like, the money in the bank is a whole fucking pay-per-view with a ladder match. Who gives a shit? Dude, the money in the bank ladder match don't mean shit no more because it's a pay-per-view. Precisely. But even when they do other ladder matches, because before that or, you know, in, in between that, you get the WrestleMania Intercontinental fucking six-man ladder match two, two, three years in a row, and it's like, but why? Where was the actual build to it other than I gotta book these six guys on the card. This guy's the champ. He just beat this guy. Alright, let's throw the other ones in there randomly. Everybody wants to, let, to be in the ladder match. What the fuck? Why? No. Ladder that matches need to be removed 
from all these promotions until y'all do something that warrants that match. So that means you have to have had months of story building to a ladder match should be a blow off, by the way. Yeah, that should be the end of a feud. Because Razor and Sean, that was the end of their feud at that point. They didn't rematch that for like months down the road. They they didn't rematch that until SummerSlam. And I'm not sure the second one was a ladder match. I don't remember. I just remember there was a rematch. Might have been. But either way, story. Why do we get here? And that, that's why I remember that match so well. Scott and Sean had the fucking story. Sean got suspended. Scott Hall won the belt while he was out. Scott says, I'm the real champion. Sean comes back, says, no, fuck you. Nobody beat me for the belt. I, I'm the champ. Problem solved. We put, these bitches up, we put these bitches up high and you climb a ladder to get them. You want to determine who's the real champion? Y'all niggas fight it out. Precisely. Storytelling. Scott Hall was really good at that. Oh, hell yeah. He was really good at being who he was. So he was good. You know, when he was Razor Ramon, he was Razor Ramon whenever fuck I saw him. And even as Scott Hall, you know, on WCW, he kept those Razor Ramon, you know, characteristics that made him famous so that you got the connection there. The toe pick. Those two words, that one catchphrase that he was known for. You saw the toothpick, and every time you hear, hey, yo. Let's face it, Scott Hall was one of those earlier ones that made it cool to be the bad guy. Oh, hell yeah. There were a few others before him, so I can't say he was the very first, but he was ahead of you know those that were in his era as far as you know yeah you're the bad guy but he got himself so over that it was cool to be the bad guy oh fuck yeah well i fucking love it (laughs) yeah i mean and looking back on scott hall in general you know that's a large part of my childhood, honestly, you know, first as Razor and then as Scott Hall. Nice chunk of my childhood. Hell yeah. And, you know, there's never going to be anyone that manages to do what he did in the way that he did. And you ain't gonna see this shit in these motherfuckers today. Hell no. Not at all. But we have to, you know, we I did the show because I felt like we needed to say, you know, something positive from a fan's perspective, mostly, of Scott Hall, you know, and what he, you know, ultimately means to us as fans because we didn't know him personally. We only know what we hear. Right. And really, as a fan, as a fan, he meant a lot. He meant a lot. He was important. He was he was important. He was as he was important to me. I wa- I enjoyed watching him from the time I was like fucking nine up to when I was eleven. Like loved him, man. And the fact of the matter is, there ain't gonna never be another goddamn Razor Ramon. There will never be 
another Scott Hall. So all you ma- so all you dumb fuck vanilla midgets and flippy tight motherfuckers on the indies, don't bother trying. Cause you bland bastards could never pull it off. Now, with that being said, this time around, I think in honor of Scott Hall, we're not going to do our usual closing spiel, pushing everything. Y'all already know how to find us on social media and all that shit. We're not going to do that today. Uh-huh. I think we have to close this out, you know, on the positive yet somber note of saying, you know, rest in peace to Scott Hall, known to some as Razor Ramon. Our condolences to his family, his friends, who, you know, obviously are having a hard time dealing with this. Nash. And Sean Waltman, too. And, and Sean Michaels. Michael. And Hunter. Yeah, we know. Right. We know they not, we know they not taking this very well. And it's like Nash said on Twitter, it's hard not knowing and I might be getting I might be getting it wrong, but I'm gonna paraphrase it. You never know when you can't love somebody until they not around for you to love. Now I might be Basically. getting it wrong, but that's pretty much the gist of what Nash said on Twitter. Basically. That's important. So on a on a positive note to the rest of us, just you know, we never know, especially in these times. When we're going to lose someone that close to us, so maybe take some time and and remind your loved ones that you do love them, Mm -hmm. whether they be family or friend. You know, everybody could use that little reminder. And show your appreciation. Yep, and I think we'll just end this with you know, the the ending line from his Hall of Fame speech. Bad times bad don't last. Times don't last. But bad, but guys, bad do. guys do. And with that, we're off. Peace.